Hello and welcome back to Back to the Books with Isabel Flynn and Kieran Sanger. A podcast where two millennials discuss their recent reading, new releases and current literary happenings. So just keep watching. Oh, no, nope. listening, listening. No. <laughs> and welcome to another episode of Back to the Books. I'm Isabel and I'm joined once again by Kieran. Hello. Hello, Isabel. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much. Just uh, another day in paradise that is my three-room flat. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically the same as being in Florida, I believe. Oh, really? Well, in my head, I'm, I can pretend I'm in Florida when I look outside and see uh, the grey clouds and, you know, the rain. I can be like, no, it's it's fine. I'm actually in Florida right now. It's called delusion. <laughs> Convince yourself. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately. But no, other than that, I'm good. I'm good. Just good, keeping good. busy. Awesome. So today we are bringing you an episode in which we're going to discuss the Women's Prize. This is going to be more of a general discussion as the long list is out, but the shortlist is announced on Tuesday. Um, so this is us mm-hmm. kind of building up to the announcement of the shortlist. Um, and we're just going to be giving our thoughts on the long list and our, our thoughts on the prize in general, because for us, the women's prize is something that is, I think, quite, not special, that's a bit lame, but um, it is something that we both followed for a number of years and something that I think has also connected our friendship as readers. I don't know if you feel the same, Kieran. I think you summed it up really nicely, actually. The last three years we've been doing it, it's been like an event, you know, you messaging me, being like, dude, the long list is out. And then I quickly Google and see yeah. what's on the list and if there's anything of worth or of note that we've seen before. And then seeing that get whittled down to a short list, it's just really, really exciting. And yeah, I totally agree. It's kind of cemented our friendship and even before when we'd sort of give each other challenges of, right, okay, here's a randomised generator of books, you read three, I read three, and we'll discuss later on. It's just really fun, and yeah, it's basically like book nerd Christmas. Yeah, definitely. It's it, it's a little bit like our personal Oscars, you know, we, we follow yes. it from the long list, and then um, I will say, though, this is the first year where, when the long list was announced, I looked at them and went, oh, I haven't read any of those. What the hell are the some of those? I haven't even heard of them. And that's never happened to me before. Like, obviously, it's a really long, long list. It's usually really mm. diverse. There's a lot of different stuff on there. But never in the, like, mm. four or five years that I've been doing this have I have I looked and gone, nope, nope, not a single one of those have I read. <laughs> so that was kind of an interesting experience. It's funny, though, because when I looked at it, there were books on there that I had seen through marketing, Twitter, Instagram, etc. But... Uh, like you Isabel I hadn't read a single one of them and yeah I was kind of like well now what (laughs) yeah no I agree it's um it's funny because if you haven't if you've read a couple of them then you sort of have an an opinion on whether those books should be on the list or whether they should make the short list and so you kind of feel like you have a hold on Mm. the on the prize already and you can kind of start reading from there but um yeah looking at just and it's not like I haven't heard of any of them there were a couple that what kind of new discoveries but obviously you know mm. Hilary Mantle what a shocker girl woman other we're absolutely aghast um <laughs> and so at the same time um you know you could kind of tell that some of them would have been on there but to have not read any of them I was like mm. oh my, I feel a little bit adrift I feel a little bit not betrayed but just you know like my friend is different now than she mm. was before and I don't know how to handle it 
<laughs> she's changed now. She used to be cool. What's wrong? She's changed, man. Um, no, I agree. I Especially with Girl, Woman, Other it winning the Booker jointly with Margaret Atwood last year. Yeah. I think even then that should have been the kick up the arse for me to be like, right, okay, it's won the Booker. It's clearly a book worth reading. Read it. And I still haven't. But every time I see it, I'm like, must read you, must read yeah. you. And I still haven't. And now that it's been long listed for this prize and I do feel like it'll most likely be shortlisted as well I feel like I do need to get around to reading it yeah I'm feeling slightly shamed into reading that book now but I know I'll like it so it's just like ugh that I'm not um but Mm. yeah it's uh I I do think it will be hilarious if it because for anyone listening at home who doesn't know uh Girl Woman Other is the first black woman awarded or the author of Girl Woman Other and Bernadine Evaristo was the first black woman to be awarded uh the Man Booker Prize for Girl Woman Other but she won it jointly um from uh, she won it jointly with Margaret Atwood who was kind of deeply embarrassed and sort of you know already holding her I think two other Man Booker Prizes like I don't need another (laughs) one um (laughs) so it was all a little bit of a clusterfuck and it made a load of other publishers really angry um so I would love it if the Women's Prize just gave it to her straight up and just be like there you go there is the one singular award for you that you would deserve yeah completely it was one of those you know that bit in the simpsons when the characters grab their sort of their their top of their collars and they go oh nervously yeah they're all yeah everyone kind of did that in the publishing world everyone went oh no oh no nobody tell Gally beggar press they're gonna be so mad yeah and i feel bad because when i did my kieran's book of the year thing I kind of did a similar thing where my runner-up, I couldn't decide between two books, so I did like a joint runner-up, and I was like, oh, I'm basically as bad as the Booker Prize, aren't I? <laughs> um, my, one of my favourite things is, you know, did you, uh, you probably know, there's an award for like bad sex scenes in books. Yes, yes. You told me about this, actually. Yes, and yeah, uh, when we were in Waterstones yes. once, and one of our colleagues was reading out one of the shortlisted scenes during our lunch break, and it was so funny. Yes. Um, but yeah, they every year they do the same award, um, and the the year that Goldman other joint won with the Testaments, they also awarded two, and they like basically spoofed the the judges um whole spiel about how they couldn't separate two great works of art you know how to honor the legacy of margaret atwood against the the fantastic groundbreaking work that is girl woman other men mm. yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah they uh, they basically took that and spoofed it to be like both of these shitty bonking scenes are so good we couldn't possibly choose between them uh, yeah it was, it was excellent there's definitely a bigger arguments to be had about that but we can save that for another podcast um because this is about the women's yeah uh, yeah prize of fiction long list 2020 um although yeah sorry tangent yeah tangent well back to the books <laughs> back to the book back to the other books <laughs> um but yeah i since the long list has gone out i have actually read one of them which i mentioned in our last episode which was maggie o'farrell's hamnet which i have yes. finished and i've now reviewed and i mean i gave pretty much my impression last time with you but I absolutely loved it and it wouldn't be a surprise if it does get shortlisted um, because the reviews across the board have been phenomenal I don't think I've seen one single bad review except maybe like one person on Goodreads that's the thing a couple of people on Goodreads were giving it two stars going I didn't really get it and I'm like that's fair enough Um, but yeah it seems to have really enchanted a lot of people so that's good best word to use enchanting Um, like I said before really atmospheric visceral and 
just gives this part of history a new voice, but doesn't automatically give it to Shakespeare by delegation. It's like, no, he's not in the picture at all. I said in my like review on Instagram, he's kind of in the periphery at the around the book. He never yeah. sort of allow is allowed to come straight in. He literally lingers on the edge. And even at the end, I won't obviously spoil the ending, even though it's obvious what happens, but when his wife realises what he's done by naming a play Hamlet, or Hamlet, after Hamlet, she starts off being really, really angry and she almost feels like she's lost him again when she sees the name on the theatre and everyone's got a little playbill, Hamlet, Hamlet, Hamlet. She feels like she's lost him again. But then when she actually watches the play and she sees her husband who's playing the ghost... She's like, you've reversed it. You're now the one that's dead and you've brought him back to life through Hamlet. And she kind of starts to understand. So she's not as angry anymore. Yeah, that it was him like processing his, it's his way of processing grief. Yeah, completely. And and then it sort of, it ends quite nicely of a mutual understanding. But again, even though, yes, it's his play, the, the poet and the playwright that won't be mentioned, it still focuses on her. And that's what I absolutely loved. Yeah. And again, themes that are so accessible for anyone because especially what I think about the Women's Prize is it has that fine balance between commercial fiction and literary fiction. And I think this is a really nice sort of middle ground of balancing both this juggernaut author and this idea of resurrecting history that not a lot of people know about but it's done in a really accessible commercial way whereas the writing doesn't alienate you too much it draws you in quite nicely and it feels very immersive at the same time I think that is something that I think kind of carries the prize through because I I think we were kind of looking back before the 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 short listings and the long listings through history not through history but for like the last kind of (laughs) since 1682 (laughs) we found this pamphlet by this old yeah um yeah we were looking back at the kind of previous uh previous listings for the prize and kind of looking at what connects them and like Kieran was saying that I think the most kind of standout thing is that it's it, it it really is hitting this middle ground where commercial meets literary mm. and so it kind of it and in some ways that's kind of weird because it means that everything has a certain mass appeal but at the same time it's it, it's honoring the fact that literature can be both complicated and nuanced yeah. and, and and maybe ever so slightly exclusive mm-hmm. whilst at the same time good literature is also something that really brings people in and and, and, in, and reaches out to people and um is something accessible and engaging you know it doesn't have to be exclusive and snooty to really touch people and really impact people Mm. and I also think that what you said there about um how we are finally getting you know the playwright's uh uh, wife's perspective on that period in history Mm -hmm. um something else that I kind of notice about the women's prize is that it is very much about women's voices that are often unheard Mm. and I know that we had a whole discussion about this for the prize the year before last when um we, we read like Home Fire and Sing Unburied Sing and yes. When I Hit You, you know, all of these yes. women who yes. exist on, they exist in a kind of voiceless state in which they are kind of objectified, not in a sexual way necessarily, but in a kind of, um, they, they exist as sort of cultural models and archetypes. Mm-hmm. They're never allowed to have um, their own, their own kind of personal experience. Mm. 
And that's what that prize, uh, that's what that listing did. And I think that's what Hamlet does. And even if we go to something much more commercial, like, for example, Circe, yes, um, which I adore, yeah. you know, commercial here is not a put down. Um, it's uh, someone who was... Who wrote that again? Remind me. Um, Madeline Miller, who also yes. won with Song of Achilles. Um, and oh, yeah, okay. so that's a, a, a really, really good book, by the way. And it's um, it takes the archetype of Circe, who has this like bit part player in the, the Odyssey, and instead fleshes out her entire character so mm. that she becomes so human and so complicated. And, you know, you, you take this thing, th- this object of literature and you flesh her into like a complete being. And Oh, it's so good. And I do think that, yeah, you're right in the money when you talk about Hamnet, because that is kind of what the prize exists to do. And it's quite an interesting discussion about the books called Hamnet, that really it's not about him. It's actually about Agnes and you know you could easily draw in that crowd of people that love Shakespeare myself included the whole reason I bought that book was because I love Shakespeare I love history like Shakespeare's history and to find him omitted from the book didn't put me off at all if anything I was more enthralled I'm like this is albeit fictionalized version of history yeah but like you say it's giving this woman and this family a voice that was otherwise unheard of and gives a unique perspective on grief because we all know Shakespeare was full of grief and sadness which inspired him to write Hamlet but giving it to his wife I just think it's powerful and yeah like you say it gives reach to those wider themes of women who live to serve as stereotypes, archetypes. And even before when I read you that passage about Agnes knowing her place already before it's even begun, she has to know her place and going against that grain. I think that sums up nicely. Yeah, yeah. So I've obviously read Hamnet now um, and enjoyed it and obviously it's on the long list Hooray! so I can cross one off my list but looking at the long list is there anything on there that's caught your eye for example because obviously Hamnet caught my eye even before it was long listed for the subject matter yeah. but if we look at the long list what has grabbed your attention from the get-go? Girl Woman Other 100% is something that I want to read um, you know it's one of those things where it's kind of been built up in my head where I'm, so I'm a little bit kind of wary of starting it in case it falls short but I'm sure it will be great mm-hmm. aside from that um, I've heard such good things about probably one of the lesser known books on the short on the long list which is Red at the Bone by Jacqueline Woodson um, that is I believe a story um, about a, a family and it's it's got a lot of kind of themes of race um, a ra- racial trauma through the generations that sounds really cool and then um, probably the the only other one that really um, I'm really kind of grabbed by is Fleishman is in trouble. So that's by Taffy Bradessa Ackner, and I don't know if it's a debut. I haven't actually heard of her work before, um, but it's been quite controversial because you get people either saying it is an amazing study of like marriage and gender kind of um, tussles and, and power struggles and how people of different genders in a relationship or, or people in different relationship dynamics will see. Um, the kind of conflict that exists between them differently and other people Mm -hmm. were like it's just about how men are crap and the man was unbearable and unrealistically unbearable um and so I I, I'm kind of 
But however, a lot of people have been saying that the people who are saying the latter kind of complaints often DNF the book and didn't read it far enough to kind of understand the complexities of what the narrative was doing. So what they put the book down even before they finished it and were like, no, done, don't care for it. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah, exactly. People were sort of like, I don't like this guy, so I don't want to read about him. And so didn't miss um, some, apparently there's some cool narrative stuff that's going on okay. um, that kind of puts it all into context. So that one I'm particularly excited by. Um, and the paperback for that looks really nice as well. So I'm quite tempted to just go for it and grab that when it's out. And yeah, that's, to be fair, Hamlet as well, I'm interested in. But aside from that, not hugely taken by any of them, I'll be honest. Oh, really? Yeah, but the Bread of the Bone, Girl Woman Other, Felician is in Trouble, maybe Hamlet. Those are my definites. Aside from that, I'm kind of shrug. So I don't know about you. Well, for me, obviously Hamlet's on there. Yeah. Queenie is one that... I've seen everywhere and a lot of people on my Instagram and my social media have read it and it looks cute but it's not one that's pulled me in per se but because yeah. it's getting a lot of attention kind of like you with Girl, Woman, Other I feel almost I need to read it. Yeah, just to just to kind of not be left behind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just want to be cool and fit in. But there is one that I saw reviewed on Instagram and it caught my eye just because I know you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but the interesting cover, it's Weather by Jenny Offill. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which I've heard is very experimental and kind of unusual. Yeah, it's been described as like, it's really compact and it's quite punchy, but it's also quite bleak as well. Like my friend who reviewed it and actually recommended it to me said it's, yeah, compact and punchy, but it's also really hopeful and dazzling at the same time. So kind of like this year, really, what 2020 yeah. is. <laughs> I'm sorry, where was the dazzle for you? <laughs> it's coming. Well, actually, no, the dazzle was my birthday just before all the shit hit the fan. Oh, yes, that was lovely, wasn't it? Before it all went to oh, before it all went to crap, yeah. I think Weather by Jenny mm. Offal is a particularly interesting example of what you tend to get on a women's prize list because, as we were saying, there's often they tend to fall on a spectrum with the middle being the exact cross-section between literary and commercial, um, you know, however you want to define mm. those terms. And then you get things that are definitely more on the commercial side. Um, and again, that's not a downer. Some of the best books on there are more commercial. So like um, Queenie and I think My Sister the Serial Killer and Cersei from last year. And I think Weather is definitely more up there with like Milkman in that it pushes out towards the literary side. Mm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether that makes the long list the short list sorry because i tend to find that often um they, they always need to include one like quite weird literary kind of highbrow kind of text in there to kind of uh, mm. <laughs> to, to legitimize the prize a little bit sometimes yeah. yes and to appease the uh the more snooty readers shall we say yes exactly exactly you know horace who horace who you know reads <laughs> the economist and has four different kinds of scarf you know, will be very, very disappointed if everything is very readable and accessible. So something needs to be alienating and exclusive. Oh dear. I mean, Horace knows Pashmere can only go so far. Yeah. But I actually do have a question because I've not read yeah. Milkman yet and you kindly got it for me for my birthday. Yeah, so maybe you want to read it, please. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's looking at me right there for my bookshelf. Staring at you accusingly. Yes, but you described it to me as it's quite experimental and... Was it you that said you did find it a bit tough to get going at first, but then once you were in it, you were completely in it? 
so to speak. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how I experienced it. It, um, And I do think that that's the kind of experimental literary fiction the prize tends to award, which is stuff that you do need to put the work in. You know, it's... Mm. Um, it's a very, it's, I wouldn't call it stream of consciousness, but it's very, it's written basically from like the front of her brain, um, the central character that is. And um, so everything, she doesn't name things and she doesn't name people. She kind of has the, she, she kind of identifies them by her relationship to her. So it's a novel not written in speech, but written in sort of thought. Um, and so it is a little bit inaccessible at first, but the thing is once you get used to it and once you kind of allow for the narrative to just, once you base it, uh, it's kind of funny because it kind of builds into the way that the story treats its protagonist. But mm. the if you allow the narrator to tell you the story on her own terms, you know, unlike a lot of the people in the book uh, to, to whom she's attempting to, you know, relate what's happening, um, it's a much more rewarding text and the text kind of opens and allows you to access what's happening. Um, so, yeah, it, it's really, really good read. And again, I think that that is... Like I said, that for the Women's Prize is on the more literary end, something that maybe seems inaccessible, but is actually, it's not doing it just for the sake of being highbrow and snooty and exclusionary. It's, it's, there's a reason for it. And it's doing something. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I like the idea of, because we sort of touched upon this, I think in our last episode with books that you read. Yeah, of course. But also you have to put the work in as well. And you kind of have to really, yeah engage your brain with what's going on on the page you can read it at the surface level and accept that but if you work a little bit harder you'll find something that maybe wasn't there before and you'll be really rewarded by the end of it which i think is a really cool idea but again it's also having to balance those different types of reads so horace at home with their four pashmere scarves can read milkman and be like "Ooh, look at me i'm reading something that's very different and experimental yeah, it is, it is. I think the the prize is also really interesting for who gets left off. So I don't think, for example, Rachel Cusk, who's basically like the darling of the wanky, pretentious, hipster boy uh, reader. You know, you you accuse everyone loves her. Yeah, you you accuse these guys of never reading any women because you know they all you know jizz themselves over Hemingway and whoever, um, and they go, yeah. no, 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 I read Rachel Cusk. And to be fair, Rachel Cusk is good, but it is it's very interesting that she never makes it onto the women's prize. I don't think she's ever been listed for it. Maybe, maybe she has, maybe I'm talking out my ass, but she's definitely really? never won it, um, despite being the literary darling for a lot of people. Um, Why is that, do you think? I think maybe it is because, despite being written in a more accessible way than, say, Milkman or um, A Girl is a Half-Form Thing, which won a couple of years ago, I do mm. think that it is written for a, a market in which you're happy to read something where nothing actually happens... And the book exists to make a point. And I don't think that any of the Women's Prize... I don't think the Women's Prize exists to reward those kinds of books. You know, those books are fine. Mm. They they exist in... You know, they they do their job on their own terms and that's fine. You know, if you like that stuff, I certainly do. But the Women's Prize mm. is about... You know, the, the, it's about re- rewarding great literature. But it's also about looking at what's actually a good story. Like, what's going to... Um, what's going to appeal to a certain amount of people. You can be cynical and decide that that's because, you know, the Women's Prize wants to make sure that it's selling itself as a, a commercial thing so it gets as much following as possible. But you can also look at it as a kind of a conscious decision to make sure that the pri- that the, the literature being rewarded and kind of uplifted by the prize is something that the average reader will enjoy and the average reader will feel that it can have some access to. So, yeah, that, I think that's, mm. that's just my 
two cents on that but I do I do think that it is interesting it's more interesting to see who never makes it onto the list than it is sometimes to see you know oh Maggie O'Farrell's on there again oh Zadie Smith you know hmm it's kind of like I don't want to say like token Zadie Smith, token that, but there are some authors on there that if they've got a new book... It is sometimes though, isn't it? Well, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say it, but you feel like Zadie Smith's got a new book out in that time frame. Oh, I wonder what's going to be on the shortlist this year, guys. <laughs> and that's not to discredit Zadie Smith or any of these authors, but I think a really good example of this is last year with Margaret Atwood and the Testaments. She won the Booker Prize, but it was nominated even before the book had been released. And we even kind of said she's been nominated because it's Margaret Atwood and it's a sequel to one of the best books in the literary canon, arguably. So there was no doubt as to her nomination, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that you were saying, you know, an Edna O'Brien, a Zadie Smith, an Ali Smith is always going to make it. And, you know, again... That's not saying that they don't deserve to be there, but I do think it is interesting Mm. sometimes that the... I think it's always important to remember that the prize isn't always about who wins. It's often about, like, curating what we want to say about good literature and what we want to decide or signal is good literature. And in some ways, that's great, because, for example, for years now, the prize has been really diverse in, Uh you know, its its tone. Like we were saying, it's it's literary versus commercialness. Um, the background um, and, you know, racial diversity of the mm-hmm. various different authors and the the topics that they kind of, br- the topics that they broach and the topics that they tackle, they do create a really diverse range of books. And I think that that's great. But I also sometimes think that we get really desperate to kind of keep a sort of canon uh, and to keep a consistent idea of what good literature is, that the Women's Prize sometimes falls into trying to over curate and over sort of um mm. and, and to make sure that it doesn't break too far away from the establishment you know if that makes sense yeah exactly like we'll give you this sense of um not freedom but we'll give you this sense of you know new voices a new place in the world breaking those glass walls however yeah. let we do need to read it back in a little bit and that kind of goes into what i wanted to say about I think it was 2016's year of uh, the Women's Prize where A Little Life was longlisted and then I believe it was shortlisted. A Little Life by, and I'm going to butcher her name so I do apologise, Hanya Yanahinghara was everywhere in 2016 and is one of my favourite books of all time. But it's not the easiest of books to read. It's quite intense. It's quite uh, triggering and uncomfortable but it's a book written by a female author, female Asian author, yeah. about four queer men, which I think is just really interesting and kind of, I'm wondering where does that fit into like this new voices of, you know, women's prize for fiction where the cat- the focus is about women authors and like maybe eight out of ten women-led stories and it was really interesting to see this one year like a queer narrative took hold and captured a lot of people's attention my included but very specifically a male queer narrative as well which i think is interesting and are mm. all the male characters white i haven't read it like no i think the, the, the only so there's willem there's jude there's malcolm and jp or jb 
and I think the, Willem is the only, I believe, white character. I could be completely wrong. It's been a while since I've read it. But I believe um, Malcolm and JB are people of colour. And I believe Jude is mixed race, but you don't really know yeah. um, where his background comes from because of his awful upbringing. But yeah, Willem's the only white character. Oh, that's fascinating. The yeah. rest are all people of colour. So it's, it is really interesting. But again, like you say, it's a male queer narrative by a female Asian author. Yeah, it's kind of like the reverse of when we were saying a couple of... Um maybe last episode that um you know when people have when people write about certain identities we want them to have their receipts you know we want them to be like are you qualified to write about this experience mm. but i think a little life i know for some people it was for some people yeah. thought it was hot garbage let's not lie but for some people like yourself it really resonated and you know yeah. let's put it this way you know you are a person who is reflected in that book and the person writing it isn't reflected in that book and yes. it still made a huge impact on you. So, you know, mm. while I do definitely agree that kind of your own voices books and your own voices publishing is vital, let's not forget that it is entirely possible to write from a position that is not your own and really, really have an impact on the people who you are actually speaking to. And yeah, that, that's what good writing is. Yeah. That, I mean, that book undoubtedly almost shaped part of my queerness because it depicted these lives in such an engaging way where I saw myself in them, not obviously the, the triggering yeah. awful events that happen in the book. I was going to say, yikes. <laughs> no, God, no. But like just these characters and the relationships because the book starts when they're like 18, 19 and you finish the book and they're in their 60s. So you follow them. I mean, it's a chunky book. It's about six to 700 pages. It's a, it's a chunky book. But by the end... I felt like I had known these characters. I knew them as friends, as cliched and as eye-rolling as that is. It's how I truly felt. And there's a particular moment in the book, again, I won't spoil it, where something happens. And I just put the book down and I just cried for about five minutes because it was just so powerful. But again, (laughs) like you were saying though, because I myself am represented and I'm seen and heard in this book, it doesn't mean that you have to be that demographic just to write that story yeah yeah it's like what we discussed about at uni and like death of the author um i think i even mentioned and this is such a random leap but um before i go to sleep by sj watson there's like a crimey thrillery yeah. sort of book i presumed it was a female author because it's a female point of view who wakes up loses a memory etc but it's a male author who was on night shifts as a nurse and he was just writing it in his breaks and i thought that was fascinating but oh, again cool. yeah writing a point of view and an experience that isn't his but he's giving it to someone else yet it's received with open arms yeah it's a little bit like um and this is sorry we are tangenting so badly it's a little bit like terry we'll pratchett back. who in my opinion he so terry pratchett writes this huge sprawling fantasy world called Discworld, and in it there are several mm there are loads and loads of books that include various characters um, and they often repeat and they kind of go through. And he has a couple of books that centre on a young woman called Tiffany Aching, who's a witch. Um, and then there's another standalone book called Monstrous Regiments, um, which is about kind of a girl who runs away and joins the army. And in my opinion, mm. like Terry Pratchett joins a list, a very short list of male writers who have my blessed permission, got like, you know, RIP Terry Pratchett, <laughs> but his ability to write 
teenage girls and their experiences was so perfect that I genuinely like how can you you know obviously there's a lot of men writing women that turns into absolute garbage but then when it's done Mm -hmm. well it's so perfect and so I I don't think that that should be a blanket statement that if you're not a certain person you shouldn't be allowed to write as them Mm, you shouldn't be allowed to write as that character it should be with love and with a deference to that experience and yes obviously there are certain certain identities that are or certain experiences that are so particular and so kind of maybe loaded that maybe you you don't want to but I don't think that we yeah. should have this this horrible stranglehold on like who gets to write who you know whom let's not talk about American Dirt though I'm just going to back off I was just about to say yeah. <laughs> American Dirt is like a... and we'll stop there <laughs> yeah we'll we'll say that for another day but uh yes back to the books anyway back to the books Woo. back to the books <laughs> So, Kieran, I would like to now play a game with you, if you don't mind. <gasps> I love games. Go yes, on. Yes, yes. Not a sore one. I'm not going to have you, like, chew off your own arm or anything. Uh, I'll just take these shackles away then, shall I? Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, at this point, like, we're all so bored in isolation, it might actually be fun. Um, but yes, <laughs> I want to create with you a a sort of um, a women's prize bingo list, if you will. So I would like us to think about... Hmm. Types of books, authors, kinds of reads that if you were going to um, anticipate the long list every year, you would put these down and you would expect to see them. So should I go first? Yeah, go on then. Oh, this is going to be fun. I always expect to see some kind of feminist, speculative or dystopian fiction. So like The Power, for example. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 100%. Constantly on there. Yeah. Um, That's a good one to start with. Um historical fiction some sort of like Circe or some sort of like a women's voice in a certain period in history whether it's like the 1940s or like Greek period history anything like that some sort of historical fiction with like an element of tragedy into it as well yeah definitely I have to find that they're quite kind of mm, wet as well sometimes Mm. not not all of them but so for example yeah you'll often get you know Clarence, who is a, a maid in a, a 15th century mansion, and she blah, 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 you know, and she, you know, it, it's a slightly, it's a little bit maybe like <clears throat> older women's fiction, if you know what I mean. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, I would definitely put in, uh, and this isn't a bad one, um, something that is maybe way more commercial than you would maybe expect, but is made more interesting and more kind of. Uh, has a higher literary value because it's written by a woman of colour. So, for example, Queenie, and then last year you had My Sister, The Serial Killer. Um, Mm. And I really like that book. However, it's not really, for me, something that I would have put as maybe literary enough to go on a women's prize. Um, But I understood that because, obviously, the writer is from a marginalised background, the what would seem like a really tropey... kind of surface level book got added depth because we got to see mm. how these tropes play out in different um Cultures. different community yeah different communities um so yeah that for me is uh, definitely one that's a good one um oh uh token author appearances yeah so oh hillary, yes hillary mantle margaret atwood zadie smith <laughs> edna o'brien i mean no shade to them at all but they have a new book in that time frame. You're going on the list. Yeah, on you get. On you get. Get up, get up. Come on, on you go. Another one 
Oh, um, like we said about Little Life, enormous yet awful. Yeah, enormous and tragic. <laughs> yeah, enormous yeah. yet tragic. Um, interestingly enough, just to quickly sort of tangent again about Little Life, I read a book last year, and the name is g- escapes me now. Oh, I can't that sounds really now. good. No, yeah great um it's like an american author um oh my something darling oh my absolute darling my absolute darling yeah and i read that and i hated it absolutely hated it but someone said to me oh but i thought the same issues with that book were the same issues in a little life like it was just too awful and it was almost hitting home how horrible this life was it was like horror porn yeah yeah, that's it, like horror porn and like emotional porn as well. Yeah. Like how awful can we make these characters' existence just when yeah. you think they're, they've got it bad? It's like, oh, let's throw a burning building into the ground instead. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's definitely one as well. Oh, it's always something, there's always one thing that's a little bit more experimental. As we were saying, something that maybe like pushes yeah. further into the lit- literary. So weather, yeah, yeah. I think is, I, I think weather will probably make the shortlist because of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Milkman, A Girl is a half form Thing, etc, mm-hmm. etc. Yeah. Oh, I've got another one. Uh, the, the revival or reappearance of an author who's been gone for ages, you know, her her return to form. Oh, what was the name of that author who there was like a massive gap between books. She won the booker. Oh, do you mean the um the God of Small Things and the Ministry of Utmost Happiness, yeah. That's it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when that came out I was like, hmm. Interesting. I wonder yeah. what what list this'll yeah. be on at the end of the year. Yeah, that's a good one. I was thinking, is there a weird sort of like, not science fiction, but almost just plain weird, like absolutely batshit crazy? Ooh. Would that be one? Yeah, there's always like one that's a little bit more provocative than it necessarily needs to be. But I never think that that one makes the shortlist. I think that's always the long lister. And um, it, it yeah. sort of gets like, yeah, shunted off to the sidelines. I, uh, I think I'm out. I can't think of any more off the top of my head. Hmm. let's see if i can win (laughs) um oh my god oh my god oh my god the coming of age story of a young girl often growing up in poverty oh my god oh my god why did we not think of that first off (laughs) and i mean to be frank friend you can have like three of them a long list you know yeah exactly um i mean (laughs) i've just started reading sally rooney's normal people and i feel like that that ticks the box (laughs) Yep. <laughs> no shame. Especially with Ireland as well. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Although interestingly, it's the um the male character who comes from like a marginalized background, like a poorer background, and it's the female character who comes from like a significantly wealthy background. Yeah. But she's yeah. portrayed as like being a bit aloof and a bit strange at school because she doesn't have any friends and she just keeps to herself. Yeah. And by that instantly everyone thinks she's a weirdo. <laughs> Oh, I remember that. As is the way. <sighs> yes. Memories. But um, I'm out of, yeah, I'm out of tropes. I think you might have won this. Yay! <laughs> you win one Kylie <laughs> Whirly when I see you next. <laughs> Thanks. What, in March 2027? Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, if Curly Whirlies are still around and we're not rationing them by then. Sure. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You might have to send me like one bend of the Curly Whirly. <laughs> <laughs> you can expect the rest in six years time. Yeah. <laughs> I can have it on an instalment plan. One bend, one bend a year. You'll get a letter from me like, please find and close your latest instalment of your prize. <laughs> Just 
Well, this is mouldy. Yes, it's the same curly whirly. You've been listening to Back to the Books with Isabel Flynn and Karen Sanger. If you enjoyed listening, feel free to subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform and leave us a rating or review. So, listen to you next time. Wait, what? <laughs> Why did I say that? I... <laughs> How did we get it so wrong?